And if the adults, in just a moment, would turn to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation 1, 7. Revelation 1, 7. If you have that, say praise the Lord. Revelation of, of uh, Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation. Third lesson today, third session, we'll be dealing with the, He cometh in clouds. One verse, verse 7. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, Amen. Let's read it together. Verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you right now for your awesome word today, your awesome anointing, Jesus, your presence that is here. We, God, we ask you to take your word, Lord, and speak it into our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The clouds. He's coming in the clouds. The Bible says. When it says cometh, or he's coming, it literally is erkomai, which is the Greek. And I know that some of you are not understanding the importance of that when I make the statement that it's the Greek word erkomai. But it's very important for you to understand the different words. This morning we're going to be talking about the, not the coming of the Lord so much as the clouds that He's coming in. But He is coming back. And we're going to talk about what kind of clouds those are when He comes back. But turn with me please to the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 24, we've got a lot of scripture this morning we're going to cover. Matthew 24 in verse 29 when is this going to take place? Well, you've got Revelation 1-7. Of course, it's at the beginning of the book of Revelation. But it actually happens at the end of the book of Revelation. The verse that I just read to you is at the end of it. It is post-tribulational. It is post-first resurrection. Okay, do you understand that? Verse 7 takes us beyond the seven-year tribulation period that's going to come it takes you beyond or at the time of the resurrection of the dead it takes you in the time of the destruction of the beast that is the context of revelation 1 7 and it says every eye shall see him but when he comes and every eye shall see him that is his coming as a thief in the night let me explain this to you. Okay, we have a series on the book of Revelation where we taught a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And often you will read pre-tribulation scholars who will make this statement. There is the secret coming of the Lord and then the open coming of the Lord. And that Revelation 1-7 is the open, the open coming of the Lord and they would agree it's at the end of the tribulation period, okay? They say that when he comes as a thief in the night is when he comes to take his church out of the world. But the Bible does not link the term thief 
thief of the night with the pre-tribulation rapture. It links the thief of the night or Jesus coming as a thief in the night as with the day of the Lord at the end of the tribulation period. And so this open appearing of the Lord where every eye is going to see him is his thief in the night appearance. Not a pre-tribulation rapture appearance. And then at the end of seven years, he comes back and every eye sees him there in the open appearing of the Lord. Does that make sense to you? And I'm going to prove that to you as we go through the book of Revelation. I'm going to show you that the thief in the night has nothing to do with a pre-tribulation coming of Jesus. Absolutely nothing. It has to do with the day of the Lord. All right. So it's interesting that he comes at open where everybody I can see him. But then it's called a thief in the night. It's unexpected. Okay. Do you understand what I've just, just said to you? Okay. All right. Matthew 24 then, let's find out when Jesus is coming, when every eye shall see him, and when he comes in the clouds, or in the cloud, or with the clouds. Let's find out when that happens, okay? Verse 29 of chapter 24 of Matthew. Remember that uh, we have the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. We have Matthew 24, and we have the book of Revelation going together. And interpreting each other, okay? All right, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now we have the timing. It's after the tribulation of those days. Say after. All right? The Bible says, Shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light? And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. That's after the tribulation period. These things are happening. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's the very same thing that Revelation 1-7 tells you. Go back there and look at it. Hold your place in Matthew 24. Go to Revelation 1 and verse 7. And it says the very same thing. All right. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. 24, it says, verse 30. Then shall appear the son of son of man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Same thing that Revelation 1-7 says. And they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds. Same thing Revelation 1-7 says. Of heaven with power and great glory. So in power and great glory. So it is immediately after the tribulation. It is post tribulational when he comes in the clouds of glory and all the tribes of the earth mourn bible says they wail okay you got that all right the bible then says in verse 31 and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds gather episanago the word literally means to be caught upward or gathered up top all right so when is, he, when is he going to gather his elect? After the tribulation, 
when he comes back and appears in the clouds, you with me, is when he gathers his elect. Episanago takes them upwardly. You see that? It is post-tribulational. When he gathers his elect, Episanago, upward to him, all right? The Bible says this, he's going to gather them from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. All right, you got that. If you do, say praise the Lord. So, what we have here then is the second coming of Jesus, Urkomai. It literally means to go from one place to another place. It is the visible appearing of Jesus or the revelation of Jesus. You understand that? It is after the tribulation. He comes back in clouds. He gathers his elect. And at that time, evil is judged and all kindreds of the earth wail. Okay? At his second coming. Now, let's go to Mark. It says there that he is going to come in the clouds, plural. In the clouds, plural. You understand that? Okay. Mark 13. All right, let's start there in verse 24. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of the heaven. Again, it says, it's after the tribulation period, and he is coming in clouds. You see that? Okay, Luke 21. In Luke chapter 21, it tells us basically the same thing. Verse 25, let's start there. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now that's interesting to me based on the word the Lord gave us last Sunday night. That I, I believe is a prophetic word. Here it talks about the sea and the waves roaring. Of course, that's literally, I believe, you know. But there's a spiritual truth to that. But then it says, This men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Same thing. Matthew 24 says it. Mark 13 says it. Revelation 1 says it. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, singular. Coming in a cloud, singular, with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. So when he comes to the wicked, it's judgment. It's wailing. It's great sorrow. But when he comes for his 
remnant to be gathered up, it's a time of their redemption. The events, the same event, it's at the same time. It's post-tribulational, okay? One place it says he's coming in the clouds, plural. Next, in Luke 21, it says he's coming in the cloud, singular. And then Revelation 1, 7 says he comes with the clouds. Okay? So we've got him coming in clouds, in cloud, and with clouds. Now, before he comes with clouds, he comes in the clouds. When he literally comes back physically, where everybody will see him with a physical eye, he is coming back both ways, in clouds and with clouds. Do you understand? What are the clouds we're talking about? What is the Bible talking about when he says he's coming with clouds? The Greek word is nephele. Nephele. All right, you with me here? We're going to talk about this and explain it to you. Let's go to Luke 9. In Luke chapter 9, verse 26, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. You get that? All right, so here it says he's coming back in his glory and with the holy angels. Glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Okay. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 4. I'm trying to show you the clouds here, what this is. Ezekiel 1 and verse 4. The prophet Ezekiel said this, And I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud. And a fire enfolding itself, and brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, and out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. The cloud is the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. It speaks of the glory of God. Okay, you with me up to this point? The presence of the Lord. So clouds are the vehicle of the presence of the Lord. The Bible says he's coming in clouds. He's coming with clouds. Revelation 14 says he's on a cloud. Now, so when Jesus comes back from one place to another, it is the literal revelation or literal appearing of Jesus at the end of the tribulation period when he brings redemption to those who are believers and judgment to those who are unbelievers. When he comes in the clouds or on the cloud, he is literally talking about he's coming in what? Matthew 24 says in glory. It's his glory. It's his, and then it also says glory and power. So he's coming back in glory, and he's coming back in power. And it's like nothing anybody has ever seen. The radiance and the glory that he's coming in. The Bible says 
Every eye shall see him when he comes in the clouds. And Revelation 1-7 says, with the clouds. Revelation 14 says, he's sitting on top of a cloud. And he's got a sickle in his hand. And he's ready to bring in the harvest. Okay? And so this cloud we're talking about is not the clouds in the atmosphere of heaven. It's the clouds of heaven. It's the glory cloud. It's what uh, Israel followed in the wilderness. It was the visible presence of the Lord. When you talk about glory, you're talking about the visible presence of God or the manifest presence of the Lord. So when Jesus is coming in clouds, then what we have is deity approaching or deity arriving. Jesus is the God-man who's coming back it is the appearing of your great God and Savior Jesus Christ Titus 2 13 so when he comes he's not just a man he's coming as God in the flesh this is his second coming at the end of the tribulation period. And it's full of glory and it's full of power. It's the presence of deity. It's the Shekinah glory cloud, if you will, that he's coming back in. All right. Do you understand that? Amen. Now it's connected with, go to Zephaniah, please. Minor prophet Zephaniah connected with the day of the Lord. Say with me, day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is post-tribulational. Let me say that again. The day of the Lord is post-tribulational. The day of the Lord is not the seven-year tribulation period. And I'm going to prove it to you by the Word of God when we teach the lesson on the day of the Lord. I've got two lessons I want to teach after this one. The coming of the Lord and then the day of the Lord. Two more weeks to cover this, all right? Zephaniah 1 Let's look at this in Zephaniah, the Minor Prophets. All right, Zephaniah, the Bible says in verse 14, The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly. Look at that. The day of the Lord is near, and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. So then we have the mourning again and the wailing again. That day is a day of wrath. So the day of the Lord is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wastedness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. So the day of clouds and thick darkness, as we showed you in Matthew 24, is post-tribulational. Same event, same timing. Say with me, the day of the Lord is immediately after the tribulation of those days when he comes with clouds and in clouds. And, Re and Zephaniah 1 says that the day of the Lord, the Bible says, is a day of clouds and thick darkness. And it's post-tribulational. Are you with me? Then it goes on a day of the trumpet. An alarm against fenced cities and against the high towers. All right. Do you understand that? Okay. Well, 
Explain to me. Question. The day of the trumpet is when he comes back and he sounds the trumpet, the great trumpet, the last trumpet. Okay? It's connected with the day of the Lord, and it's at the end of the tribulation period. Okay? What I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is that the day of the Lord is not the seven-year tribulation. It is not the seven-year tribulation period. It's after that. Okay? When Jesus is coming back in great glory and great power in the clouds, on the cloud, and with clouds, that is the time when the day of the Lord is going to begin. And that is at the, after the tribulation. Not, not in the first three and a half years, not in the last three and a half years. It's at the after the tribulation. Do you understand that? And the Bible talks about Matthew 24. When he comes, comes he's going to send forth his angels. And they shall gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. Episanago, gather them upward. And the Bible says with a great trumpet. So all of these events that I'm reading to you right now are post-seven-year tribulation. They are post-tribulational. They are post-Daniel's 70th week. Do you understand that? This is going to be fun. I can already tell. And the reason why it's going to be fun is because we're, we're teaching you things that go contrary to what has most commonly been taught concerning prophecy and I know because I was pre-trip for years and I, I've read much, much, much material on prophecy of the last 22 years. And just about everything you read tells you that the seven-year tribulation period is the day of the Lord. And that when he comes as a thief in the night is when he comes to rapture the church. But that's not what the Bible says. So we're going to get into the Word of God and we're going to really find out what the Word of God says. And then another thing is they teach is that the day of the Lord is that whole seven-year tribulation period. The Bible does not teach that. It does not teach that. It's connected with His appearing, visible appearing in the clouds when the seventh trumpet or the last trumpet is sounded at the end of the book of Revelation. That's when the day of the Lord begins. I just read it to you right out of your Bible. I'm not making this up. I read it to you right out of your Bible. That's why I'm taking the time to go through these scriptures okay Isaiah 44 let's turn there to Isaiah I'm giving you a lot of reading this morning because I have to Isaiah 44 we're going to begin reading there in about verse 22 notice this it says this I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins return unto me for I have redeemed thee who's he talking to verse 21 says remember these O Jacob and Israel for thou art my servants I have formed thee thou art my servants O Israel thou shalt not be forgotten of me I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgression and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. So when he comes back, it means the judgment upon the wicked, the destruction of the Antichrist, the beast, and the redemption of his people, they're going to be gathered up to him. The church is going to be gathered up to him. It's also the time of Israel's redemption. When he blots out their transgression, like a thick cloud. 
Now, Jewish, Jewish rabbis taught this about the coming of the Lord. They said that when he comes, if Israel is meritorious or if they have merit, when he comes, he would come with clouds. But if when he comes, Israel is not with merit, he would ride in on a donkey. And that's exactly the way he came the first time. But the second time he comes, he's coming in clouds and with clouds in glory and power. So the clouds are the glory and the power of God. Salvation and redemption for his people, but judgment upon the wicked, including the beast. Got it? It's connected with the day of the Lord, and it is post-tribulational. And it is his thief in the night coming. Got it? All right, let's go to Daniel. Daniel the prophet. Daniel 7. Matthew 24. And these scriptures I'm reading to you. And Revelation all go together. They, they give you a survey of prophecy. Now let's look at Daniel. And see what he says. Uh, Daniel 7. We're going to begin with verse 11. Are you okay out there? Daniel 7, 11. If you have that, say amen. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. And it's connected with the slain of the beast. The Antichrist. Verse 11. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. And came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Here he's coming before the Ancient of Days. Watch this. It's connected to the slain of the beast, and we see him coming in clouds before the Ancient of Days. All right? You with me here? And there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom. So now we see the setting up of the kingdom that has taken place. With the, with the slaying of the beast and him coming in clouds, it's connected with the setting up of the kingdom of God. You got that? Please hear this. That all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. When he saw the persecution of the saints, because basically what Daniel 7 does and Matthew 24 does is this, along with Revelation, is it gives you a general view of prophecy first. Then it shows you the persecution of the saints. Then it shows you the destruction of the beast or the Antichrist and his kingdom. And then you see the setting up of God's kingdom. That's what Daniel 7 shows you. 
That's what Matthew 24 shows you. And that's what the book of Revelation is going to show you. It's going to explain it to you in more detail as you go along here. The, the events of Daniel 7 and Matthew 24 are the events of the book of Revelation. But Revelation just expands it and gives you more details. So, so you understand. What you have is, first, a general overview of prophecy. Then the persecution of the saints. Then the destruction of the beast and his kingdom. And then the setting up of God's kingdom. Do you understand that? Okay. And so Daniel 7 lays that out for us. Now, let's go to Revelation 11. Revelation chapter 11. Beginning with verse 12. Revelation 11 and 12. And they heard... A great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither, or literally ascend up, or go up. Who are we talking about? The two witnesses. Yeah, you with me here? Revelation 11 talks about the two witnesses in the great tribulation period. And then they're slain, they're killed by the beast. Now God's going to raise them up after three days of being dead in the streets. God's going to raise them up. He's going to gather them up and take them up. The word literally when it says come up, literally means to be taken up or be snatched up or to be to ascend up. Okay. So he says ascend up or come up or be snatched up. All right. Then the Bible says and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud. Say, in a cloud. And their enemies beheld them. Beheld them going up in the cloud. So they go up. All right? You with me here? This is post-tribulational. When they go up, they're going up at the end of the tribulation. And they're going in the cloud. And then the Bible says this. And the same hour was a great earthquake. And the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. The remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. All right. Now, I know y'all want me to teach you the whole book of Revelation today. I can't. You're going to have to take it bits and parts and pieces, okay, as we're going through it. And the seventh angel sounded. So it's connected with the sounding of the seventh trumpet or the last trumpet in the book of Revelation. You see? The Bible says the seventh angel sounded. There was a great, were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms. Remember Daniel 7? Same thing. Matthew 24 lays it out. Mark 13 lays it out. Luke 21 lays it out. Revelation 1, 7 lays it out. Daniel 7, 11 through 13, lays it out. Now, Revelation 11 lays it out. Same event. Okay? And it's connected with the sounding of the seventh trumpet by the seventh angel. The Bible says, And there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, 
and he shall reign forever and ever. So that's, re that's when he receives the kingdom, dominion. It's at the end of the tribulation period. It's connected to the seventh trumpet. It's post-tribulational. It's all there. That's when those two witnesses are caught up in the cloud. Now, which is interesting because in an Israelite wedding, when a groom takes his bride, let me say it again. When a groom takes his bride, he has two witnesses that are with him when he takes her. I said when he takes her. So before he takes her, he takes the two witnesses up. And when the two witnesses go up, then the church will be caught up with him in the clouds. Because now he's got his two witnesses. Now he can take his bride unto himself. Okay, you with me here? So he goes on and he says this. Uh, verse 16, the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God. Saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come. Connected to last week's message. The names of God. See, in this, in this area of scripture, he's seen as the God of judgment, the God of wrath, the God of law. He is Yahweh. The God which was, which is, which is to come. So he goes on, because thou hast taken thee uh, to thee by thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come. Got it? Ooh, this is good. Thy wrath is come, which means this, if the wrath of God in the day of the Lord is after the seven-year tribulation period. What about the seven bowls of wrath? They are also post-tribulational. Okay, you with me? Let me give you kind of an overview so you'll understand. The seven seals of the book of Revelation cover the seven-year tribulation period. Got it? In the seventh seal is located the seven trumpet judgments. And in the seventh trumpet judgments, a seventh trumpet judgment, where the angel sounds the seventh trumpet, or the last trumpet, is located the seven bowls of wrath. So what you have is the seven seals, one seal per year, basically. And then at the end of the tribulation period, you've got the sounding of the trumpets very quickly in succession. And the seventh trumpet sounds, and that brings in the bowls of wrath. They begin to, take, to be poured out as Jesus is coming back. They are being poured out very quickly as he's coming. And so they are post-tribulational. They are called the wrath of God. Now, you'll understand more about this as we go along here. Okay? Wow. But he tells us here in verse 18, The nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and it's connected with the sounding of the seventh trumpet. 
and the time of the dead that they should be judged. And before they can be judged, they've got to be resurrected. And that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in the temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thundering and an earthquake and great hail. So you've got the storm of judgment coming upon the world. It's connected with what? The sounding of the seventh trumpet. Matthew 24 calls it the great trumpet. The great trumpet. It's connected with the day of atonement. The great trumpet is connected with the day of atonement. You got me here? And, and I believe the last trumpet, and I, in a pre-tribulational mode, would say this. If I were teaching you pre-trib today, I would tell you that Revelation doesn't call the seventh trumpet the last trumpet. So what I have to do then is I have to go back to the Word of God, and I have to find out what is the last trumpet. And when I take all the scriptures and I put them together, the last trumpet has to be the seventh trumpet of the seventh angel. Okay, you with me? And when that trumpet sounds, it's after the tribulation period. That's when we're episonago, we're gathered up to him. First the witnesses, then his bride. Wow, now all this is happening. So how in the world can we be withstanding all this wrath and judgment that's being poured out there at the end? Because at that point, we've got glorified bodies. We have got incorruptible bodies, and all we have to do is wait for him to call us up. We are protected that way from those bowls that are pour, being poured out on the earth. Okay, y'all with me up to this point? <clears throat> all right, Revelation 14. And uh, verse 14, I looked and behold a white cloud. One, the Bible says, one sat like unto the Son of Man. There he is again, Son of Man. Daniel, what Daniel 7 said, he's called the Son of Man. Same thing here. He sat, the Bible says, okay, I'm going to read it again. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. You got it? So there he is in his judgment. Now he's going to harvest the righteous and judge the wicked. And Revelation 14 literally lays out chronology for you for the whole tribulation period and that which follows. All right? Are y'all with me up to this point? Amen. Now, well, having showed you that, let's go to the Thessalonian epistles and let's talk about this. In connection to the clouds, because he's coming in clouds and with clouds and on a cloud. You know, the cloud represents this, this presence of the Lord. But in 1 Thessalonians, you'll turn there, please, in your Bible. These are end time epistles, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And, and while you're going over there, why don't you just stop in the neighborhood of 1 Corinthians 15. And let's read a verse from there. 1551. 
Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I just read it to you out of Revelation 11. Don't let the Bible interpret the Bible. So at the time of our catching up and our changing and our glorification is the time of the sounding of the last trumpet. The resurrection of the dead is at the timing of the last trumpet and his appearing in the clouds. Now, you're going to have a hard time. You know, we all would just love to have this pre-trib to be the, be the case, to be the real. Uh, but you're going to have a very hard time disproving what I'm preaching to you and what I'm showing you very hard. I, I preached pre-trip for 22 years. No, let me change that. 24. Until I found out what the Bible said. And by way of interpretation, that's the way you come up with pre-trip. But when you compare Scripture with Scripture, and that's what I have begun to do, is compare Scripture with Scripture, you're going to have a hard time proving that you're going out before the seven years begins. Okay, y'all still awake? First Thessalonians, let's go there. And I know, I know uh, all you pre-trip people out there, you've got all, you've got your system, you think you've got it all figured out. Well, before we're through with this, we're going to blow holes in that. I'm, and I'm talking about in great detail. See, I had questions. I thought just sealed it, man, tighter than a drum. There ain't no way you could break into it. Till I got just really hungry and started asking questions. And of course, Tim Cohen helped me tremendously about an understanding of a post-trib rapture of the church. And then we let him come and preach that to you here. And he said, well, you know. He said, will you let me do it? I said, you better believe I'll let you do it because I'm after truth. I'm not after man's traditions. And he set me searching the scriptures. And I asked him pre-trib questions I thought would just trip him up. And it didn't trip him up. Because you can't trip the Bible up. <laughs> so I went, I, I got, I've been getting into this and I've been studying. I've been studying the words in great detail and understanding the timing of events. So that I can bring this book of Revelation to you in a great understanding, all right? Now, having said that, it's important that we walk an overcoming walk. You can't quit in your walk with Jesus. No matter what the perplexity is, no matter what the stress is, you've got to continue to walk with Jesus. All right. Now, let's go to 1 Thessalonians. <laughs> See, it's pretty hard to mess with a, with a person who once preached pre-trib, who now sees post-trib. It's hard to mess with them. You know, because, well, you're post-trib, you're just post-trib, because you've always been post-trib. No, it's hard to mess with me, because I was pre-trib before, and now I see it completely differently. So you can't mess with me and say that I'm just biased on my position. I had to change. I had to relocate. That's hard for a preacher to do. Hard for a preacher to admit, but I don't care. I'm, I'm in the Word. I want the Word. Uh, doesn't make me any difference. Because here's the thing. If I preach a, a pre-trib rapture and it doesn't happen, and you go in the tribulation period, every one of you will backslide. You know how I know? Because you don't have it in here. You don't have the strength. You don't, 
you, you, you're, you're shocked. You're deceived. You're messed up in your thinking. I missed the rapture. So what's the use? First Thessalonians. Let's go there in chapter 4. And I'm just talking to you this morning. So your blood's on my hands. I'll stand before God someday. And my, my theological position, <laughs> if it's not accurate, God will make a liar out of you. So I'm going to give you the Bible. First Thessalonians 4, and let's start in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. By the what? The word of the Lord. The Lord said this. When did he say it? I'm going to tell you, Matthew 24 is when he said it. And in his prophets in the Old Testament. By the word of the Lord... That we which are alive and remain, say remain. Sounds like we're going to be remaining. Unto the coming of the Lord, the perusia of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in clouds. It tells you right there. And when that happens, it's post-tribulational. Post-first resurrection. When you're episynagogued or gathered upward unto him at the sounding of the great trumpet. First Corinthians calls it the last trumpet. Here it says that we're called up with the trump of God. In clouds. Not in the clouds. In clouds. That's important. Okay, you with me here? To meet the Lord in the air, say air, and the word air is the atmosphere, the very dense atmosphere below the mountaintops. The Greek word is below the mountaintops. There's two Greek words for air. One is below the mountaintops, the other one is above the mountaintops. And when it says he's coming and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, it's talking about this atmosphere below the mountaintops. Okay? We're going to meet him in the air. And the Greek word meet, get ready for this. The Greek word meet literally means to go up, meet royalty, and escort him back into the city. And I'll give it to you next week when I'm talking about the coming of the Lord. It is literally going to be us being snatched out, meet him in the air, and bring him back into the city. He's coming in clouds. So we're coming up there to meet him. Now, in clouds, not, it says the clouds there, but in the Greek it shouldn't be there. It's in clouds. Now, are we talking about these white clouds that hang around here, these atmospheric clouds here? 
Nephele. Nephele is the Greek word. And it doesn't mean the, just an atmospheric cloud. Hello. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Y'all don't mind me teaching you Bible study this morning, do you? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud, nephele, of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So this cloud, and it's the same word here, nephele, it, in Hebrews 12, 1 Thessalonians 4, Matthew 24, Revelation 1, 7, Mark 13, Luke 21. When it talks about clouds coming in clouds, it's the same word, nephele. And it doesn't mean just an atmospheric cloud. It means a crowd of people. It means a multitude of individuals. It means the witnesses, and we saw two witnesses caught up in Revelation 11. It means the witnesses of God, the remnant of God, the believers of God. You are the clouds. I am looking at the clouds. And so when we go out to meet him, we go and in the appearance of the clouds. So he comes in the clouds first, which means he's already coming now in us. He which was, which is, which is to come. So right now there is an isness to his coming. He is appearing in us right now. You are the vehicle of deity. You are the vehicle of the presence of God. You are the clouds in which the latter rain exists. And he is the latter rain. He's the rain on the inside of you. And you are the vehicle of deity. Psalm 104, it tells us that his chariot, he rides upon the wind. His chariots are the clouds. And you're the clouds. You're the vehicle of deity right now. And he is appearing in you. And then he will appear with you in his literal coming. So the clouds, I'm looking at you. And so after the tribulation period, when the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, then we're going to be caught up, episonago, gathered unto him upwardly. And when we leave, we're going to have the appearance of clouds when we go. And it just, it's possible that the glory of God, the cloud, the glory cloud, will literally come and be your vehicle to Jesus. That literally when he comes back, he will dispatch cloud and he will gather you up in that cloud and lift you up and the cloud will be your vehicle. Just like the cloud is his vehicle, then you will then have the cloud as your vehicle to be gathered upward, episodago, unto him after the tribulation period. And then you will meet him there in the clouds or in clouds. Not in the clouds, but in clouds. You are the clouds going to meet him and you will escort him back to this planet. 
And that took care of another question I had. How could Jesus come back at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, catch us up there, and then bring us right back down to the earth? Is that in the Bible? Well, the word meet literally means that. It means to go out and meet the royalty and escort them back into the city. And I'm looking at the clouds of glory today who are now the vehicle of deity. ushering the presence of God so he's appearing in me now and he's going to appear with me or I should say it this way I'm going to appear with him in Revelation 1 7 so he appears in clouds on cloud in cloud and uh, are you with me with clouds and I'm looking at you right now you are the great cloud of witnesses. You are the Nephilim of God. You are the ones he appears through and manifests himself through. And someday going to meet him literally in the heavens. And escort him back in to this earth. Give God some praise. Woo. He's an awesome God. Let's look at a few other scriptures here. Let's go to... Second Peter. In Second Peter, the Bible says, verse 17, <clears throat> he's talking about those who've gone away from the Lord. He's talking about apostates. In Second Peter chapter 2, he says, these are wells without water. Clouds. Did you hear that? He calls apostate clouds. He calls individuals clouds. He calls people clouds. He said they are clouds without water. Wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. So here he talks about clouds, nephele, being people. But these are apostates. You with me here? Wells without water. Go to Jude 1 verse 12. Y'all getting the point? Jude 1 verse 12, it says, These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds, they are. Clouds, they are without water. They lost their witness. There used to be a great cloud of witnesses, the Nephilim of God, multitudes of individuals that God appeared in as the water in their cloud. But somehow, some way, they apostatized and they backslid away from God. So they have become clouds without water. They don't have the latter rain inside of them. They don't have the spirit inside of them. And they're no longer witnesses unto God. They are clouds without water. Did you hear that? You don't want to be a cloud in Nephilim without water. You don't want to be a cloud that has lost their witness. You don't want to be a cloud that has apostatized away from your God. Life-giving rain of living water full of living rain. But these, Jude 1 says, they have an outward visible appearance. 
They look like they're packing the goods, but they really don't. They don't have the goods. You see, a cloud should carry rain in it. It should carry life-giving rain in it. But they just got the appearance of Christians. They don't have the rain. They don't have the life. They don't have the witness. They've lost it. So to show you, these are talking about individuals. The Bible says, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. Twice dead. Twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. No life-giving rain in them. You got it? Well, let's go to Hosea. Hallelujah. Hosea 6. Minor prophet Hosea. After Daniel, <clears throat> in Hosea 6, in verse 3, watch what the Lord says. How many are familiar with the term latter rain, or former rain and latter rain? The former rain is his first coming. The latter rain is his second coming. Now watch this. Let me just start with verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He has smitten, he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared. Say his going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain. As the latter and former rain unto the earth. That's the way he comes to us. So he is the latter rain. He's the living rain that's appearing inside of you. The clouds of glory. The clouds of witness. See, he's appearing to me right now. Because I am a vehicle for deity. And I'm telling you right now, friend. You, you know, just, just shake yourself. Don't let the world get a hold of you. Don't, don't apostatize. If you're not praying, you're dying. If you don't have a prayer life, you're dying. You've got to fill yourself up to fill your cloud with the Spirit of God by prayer. So he, uh, we're going to be caught up together in clouds. Now, let's go to uh, uh, Psalm. Psalm 104. Psalm 104, hallelujah. <clears throat> this, is, this is just a beautiful thing. <clears throat> Psalm 104, verse 3. Watch this. Who layeth the beams, beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot. So the clouds are his vehicle. The clouds are his chariot. You are literally carrying deity inside of you right now. You are his vehicle, and I'm talking about the clouds. I'm looking at you. You are the nephile. And by the way, in classical Greek, nephile means a host of armies. 
So when you talk about clouds, you're talking about a host of armies. You're talking about the witnesses of God. You're talking about a multitude of individuals. You're not just talking about atmospheric clouds. You're talking about his people. I'm a vehicle of deity, man. I'm a cloud right now. He makes, who maketh the clouds his chariots, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Give him some praise. Isaiah 60 and verse 8 says this. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows. There's coming a day when people are going to see us go up. It's post-tribulational and when they see us go up, they're who are these that fly like the cloud as doves to their window? Who are they? You don't say, look at those pretty clouds. I said, who are those people? They are the vehicle of deity. They are the vehicle of the presence of God himself. They are the ones who will usher him back into the earth. The mighty hosts, the mighty witnesses of God, the army of God. Revelation 19, let's go there. And in Revelation 19, this is the way it's depicted. Hallelujah. So those two witnesses go up. And then the bridegroom comes and gets his bride. And they go up in the cloud too. Hallelujah. You remember in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, and as you're turning to Revelation 19, I'll just tell you this. The Bible says Jesus was received up in the cloud. And the disciples were standing around looking around as Jesus went up. And two men appeared to them in white apparel. Say, why are you standing here looking up? Hallelujah. The same Jesus which you have seen go up shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. He went in a cloud to heaven. He left the earth in a cloud to go back to heaven. He's going to come back from heaven in a cloud to come back to the earth. The same way he left it, the same way he's coming back. His vehicles and you're going to escort him. Woo! How exciting. And so when it says... We'll be caught up in, in clouds. It's connected to Matthew 24 and it's post-tribulational. And it's the episonago. Our gathering upward to him is post-tribulational. Are you getting the point here? Give God some praise. In Revelation 19, again, Nephilim means, in classical Greek, it means literally a host or an army of soldiers. So in Revelation 19, let's look at this in verse 11. It says... And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Hallelujah. That's exciting to me. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. 
He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies. Here, it's the armies. Say armies. You're in an army. You're in a fight. This ain't playtime. This ain't game time. This is real time. This is fight time. This is war time. This is get down time. He says those that are with him are the Bible says the armies which are were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean. Now that his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. So in that verse we're seeing coming back with him symbolically riding upon horses but we are the armies of God that are coming back with him go back to the book of Jude we talked about Jude says they were <clears throat> clouds without water they lost their witness let's go back to Jude and it goes on <clears throat> uh, verse 12 I'll read again these are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you feeding themselves without fear they don't have the fear of God they come among you, they sit down, they take the Lord's Supper, the agape feast, the love feast that's associated with the Lord's Supper, have a meal with you, but they don't fear the Lord. Clouds, they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, there we go, the waves again. Foaming out their own shame wandering stars wandering stars Bible says to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever and then he says this and Enoch also the seventh from Adam the seventh from Adam get it See, it's connected with the day of the Lord, the bringing in of the millennial kingdom. And I will step out and say this. It's connected with the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet is connected with the seventh day of the millennial kingdom of God being established upon the earth. And it says this here. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. But now we've got the clouds of glory, his clouds, that are coming back with him. And thousands of his saints in contrast to the apostates in contrast to the backsliders in contrast to those who've lost their witness in contrast to those who've lost their life-giving reign in contrast to those who clouds without rain but Enoch says hey what happened to me is what's gonna happen to them I was a seventh from Adam and the Bible says one day he was walking with the Lord and the Bible said he was not for God took him 
literally means say he carried him to the other side he's walking in the earth realm and all of a sudden he gets caught up in the dimension with the Lord and carried on to the other side and he was not he was not found they looked for him they couldn't find him where's Enoch I saw him go to work this morning but he's not here now what happened to Enoch and a week goes by and they call the police and everybody say where's Enoch gotta put out you know at all points bulls we gotta find any missing person in action they couldn't even find him in a week in a month they couldn't a year went by they still couldn't find Enoch he was not found because God took him he, he so walked with God so close to God God said you walk so close to me in the earth just come on up here and that's what he's going to do to his church. And Enoch is a type of the rapture of the church and the resurrection that's going to take place at the second coming of Jesus. And it's connected with the clouds. Give God some praise. Read 1 Kings 18 sometime and you'll find some more information about the clouds. And I'm having to come to a close. But there was a time where there's an old prophet Elijah was his name. And it hadn't rained. The clouds hadn't come over the land for three and a half years. A picture of the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. No rain clouds coming over the land. Just drought and dryness. And Elijah has a servant. And he says, I hear the abundance, the sound of the abundance of rain. It's the time of rain. Go over there and look and see if you see anything. So the servant went once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times. <laughs> the prophet says, go again. Which means the eighth time, new beginnings. He goes over there. And all of a sudden, as that prophet's over there praying... That servant looks up. He sees the cloud about the size of a man's hand. About the size of the yot in the Hebrew language, the fifth letter of the Hebrew language. And Jesus, of course, is the hand of God. He is the yot of God. So I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. So it starts out with Jesus, the yot of God. He is the hand of God. That brings salvation. And all of a sudden, that cloud begins to expand. It flows from Jesus, who is the true cloud. And it's about the size of a man's hand. So that means that it's, it's, it's Jesus is going to set up a fivefold ministry of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher in the last days. And it's going to expand. And that cloud's going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. And pretty soon, you're going to be at it, and you're going to be at it, and you're going to be at it, and you're going to be at it. You're like, everybody's, oh, and now we've got a multitude of people, multitude of individuals, a great cloud of witnesses. We've got a mighty host. We've got a corporate body right here in front of us, a large cloud that he's now appearing in. And will appear with in the last days. And I'm excited. I want him to fill me with his life-giving rain. I want him to fill me with his water. I want him to appear in me. I want him to be seen in me. I want him to appear in me. And then I want him to appear with me. Or I should say, 
I want to appear with him at the end of the tribulation period when he catches us out of here unto himself as the bride and the two witnesses are there ready to greet you as you come in. Give God some praise. And so Revelation 1-7, this is what it says. Behold, he cometh Urkomai from one place to another. He cometh with clouds. With clouds. Can you contemplate that? Can you imagine what that would be? Is when if you were translated, got an incorruptible body, and then translated, and as you're going up, Episanago gathered upward to him, then all of a sudden people saw you look like clouds. It's gonna happen. This is not a funny book. This is not make-believe. This is not a fairy tale. This is real. Someday he's going to split the clouds of glory with great glory and power. Every eye is going to see him. And the unbeliever is going to lament and mourn because of his judgment. But those who are believers are going to be the clouds they go to meet him in the air and then bring him back to the earth, escorting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's pretty awesome when you think about it. Because in the moment of the twinkling of eye, the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise first. All right. First Thessalonians 4 says, Then we which shall remain shall be caught up together to meet the, the Lord in the where? Meet the Lord in the clouds. Meet the Lord in the air. All right. That, you know the phrase, the scripture. And so it's awesome for us because we're going to be redeemed. They're going to be judged. And Israel is going to have their sins or transgression blotted out like a thick cloud. So three things. The wicked are judged. The righteous are redeemed. And Israel, their sins are blotted out like a thick cloud. It's all connected to the same event. Hallelujah. This is exciting to me. Behold, he cometh with clouds. So maybe you'll just look like a cloud when you go up. Or maybe God's glory will come up underneath your feet and lift you up. And people will see you going off in a cloud to meet him in the air. I don't know how it's going to be, but I can tell you right now, you are the cloud. That he comes in. And that he comes with in the last days. Give God some praise. But I'm thankful to tell you tonight, this morning, that you don't have to wait for his visible second coming to experience his glory or his power or his manifest presence. He can literally appear like a lightning flashing in the midst of his people. Right now. Behold, he come with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. Have you thought about that? The Bible says, They also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. He's coming in clouds. The Bible says every eye is going to see. How's that going to happen? If he's coming from heaven to earth, he's not coming spatially. 
You with me? He's not coming from space heaven to space earth. Okay, I want you to understand this. He is literally coming. Don't get me wrong. But where is heaven? We always look up. But for us, up is like this. But for those on the other side of the planet, this is down. Because their feet is down. And so they're looking up that direction, and we're looking up this direction. Some, over, some people over in the west, they're looking up that way. And we're looking at this east, they're looking up that way because we're on a globe. So how's he going to come? Friend, it's beyond my comprehension. <clears throat> to understand how God himself is going to come. It's dimensionally. <laughs> we operate in three, three dimensions as people. Possibly four. But let me tell you, when he comes back, he lives beyond the realm of just four dimensions. And the Bible says every eye is going to see him. And when you talk about his coming, friend, it's not just him coming from point A to point B. You're talking about everybody's going to see him. He's going to appear. He's going to manifest himself. The invisible will become visible. The invisible realm, the invisible dimension becomes visible. Now, how that's going to happen. It's, 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 it's spatial, but it's much greater than that. It's dimensional. He's coming back. I'm looking for him. And they're down there looking for him to the other direction. And on the other side of the globe, they're looking for him that direction. And on this other side of the globe, they're looking for that direction. <laughs> Dimensions. He's the eternal God. He's already in the book of Revelation right now. He's already in the kingdom age right now. He's already in the ages to come, the eternal age. He's already there right now. He's not going to be there. He already is there. But time has to catch up with it. He's already come in the spirit. Amen. In the spirit, in the eternal realm, he, he's not coming. He already has come. That's where he lives. Right now, Jesus is in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Right now, he's sitting on the great white throne judgment, judging the people that are gathered before him. He's not limited to time. 